Good morning. My name is Tim McEvaney. I'm one of the elders here at the church, and I'll be reading the scripture passage for this morning from Matthew chapter 4. We'll be reading in the New Living Translation if you want to follow along in your Bible. Starting in verse 12. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He went first to Nazareth, then left there and moved to Capernaum, beside the Sea of Galilee in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah. In the land of Zebulun and of Naphtali, beside the sea, beyond the Jordan River, in Galilee where so many Gentiles live, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death casts its shadow, a light has shined. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria, and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Large crowds followed him wherever he went, people from Galilee, the Ten Towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea, and from east of the Jordan River. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate it. Yeah, good morning. You might think, oh, that was different. That wasn't uh, Luke. That was Matthew. And yeah, we're in a a short three-week series here called Go Fish. And as you saw in this story, it's about not fishing for fish, but fishing for people. So I thought I'd tell a little fishing story. Uh, you know, it was, it was this big, right? Uh, just got away. But no, I, went, I used to go fishing with my brother. My brother, if you don't uh, know this about me, is about 20 years, 21 years older than I am. And so we would go on these backpacking trips, go fly fishing, and we went all over the place. Glacier National Park, backcountry Yosemite, other Sierra Nevada mountains. It was awesome. And uh, one time, I was like 12 or 13, we were in Yosemite backcountry, and we, it was uh, my brother, his wife, and me, and then we were a couple days out, like a couple days away from the car. And uh, we were fly fishing for fun, and just uh, we also brought all our own food and everything, of course. And then we, one night, we are having a little fire, and we were kind of nestled up against these big rocks that were behind us that were these 
kind of little cliff face, about 20, 30 feet high. And as we're having our fire and eating our dinner, we see three bears just peeking over, looking at us from up on top of the rocks. And we see bears. It's not like that big of a deal. Uh, and my brother is really experienced with all this, but this is back 86, 87. Uh, it wasn't exactly bear spray. I don't think people were using, we were, well, I have special boxes you're putting stuff in. You just kind of did this stuff on your own. And so we would hang our food. And um, my brother, had, uh, we went to bed at night. He hangs all the food. You have it all up in this, uh, this sack that's hanging out there and kind of tied up. So it's supposed to be in a way that the bears can't get to it. Um, and let's just say it worked most of the time. Uh, <laughs> it didn't work one time. This one time of all the, the days and all the trips we went on, uh, we woke up in the morning and every speck of our food was gone. Uh, nothing. We had nothing at all. And so no snacks, nothing. And we were two days hike out. And so we had to, uh, you know, sort of change the way that we fished. We were fishing normally for peaceful fun. You know, you just, you're fly fishing. It's so nice. You, you're on the, the calm of the water. This was a lake and you just, you see the line land all peacefully as the fly just drops and you just wait. You might catch something. If you don't, no big deal, right? And maybe you wait to catch the big one. And so in this case though, it was not that. We had to get food. We actually had to have food to eat and that was pretty much our only option out there was fish. And so we were fishing differently. And my mindset changed in fishing from fun, from relaxation to more of, I mean, it wasn't life or death, but it, like we had to fish to live, to eat, right? We had to do that and we had to catch fish. So we're out there and we're like, I don't know, I feel like we're casting a little faster and we're kind of like just not as like relaxed about the whole thing. And we were catching really tiny fish and keeping them. <laughs> and so as we're catching all these, we catch like a bunch of tiny fish. And then we had like the little mess kit fry pan over fire with no seasonings, nothing, and just kind of frying them over there and just eating the little bits of like bits that we could get off of these things to give us the nourishment that we needed for the two-day hike out. Um, and I just tell that story because it changed the mindset about fishing for me there. And it became a more desperate, it came more passion that we need to catch these fish. And I think for us, as we think about this whole uh, series, Go Fish, and this verse, this story where Jesus says, you're no longer going to fish for fish. You're going to fish for people. I want us to join in that posture, in that, that mindset, that heart that says, this is life or death. This matters. This matters more than just for fun. This is real. We need to get our heads in that kind of space. And I even think of this, this question of like, what is the purpose of the church? Like, why, like what, is, what is the thing we're supposed to most care about, right? And so we know a couple things. Jesus said a few things that he said are more important than everything else. We know all the Bible is important, but Jesus himself said, I think this is the greatest commandment, that you love God. You love God with every ounce of your being. And then he said, and then it's sort of 1B, the second is like it, that you would love your neighbor as yourself. So we love God and we love people well. That's what we're supposed to be really focused on. And then he also then gave us what we call the Great Commission. He said right before he went 
to, like, as he ascended away from earth in his bodily form, he said, go, and as you go, make disciples. Make disciples. And I, I want you to baptize them, and then I want you to teach them everything that I've taught you. And then, guess what? I will be with you. Kind of like what Aaron was saying with that, where I will be with you as you go, and at, along the way, I am with you as you make disciples. So that is what is so important. And then even, he says in John 13, Jesus says, the way to prove that you are my disciples is how you love one another. All right, so we know, love God, love people, love our neighbor, love one another well, and make disciples as we go. That is what we're to be about. And so let us recognize that that should be our purpose as well. And this verse is what we're going to base these next three weeks on. This three-week series is all based on Matthew 4, 19. And Tim read to us the full context of that story. But it has this, like three parts to it. You'll see it says, follow me. This is Jesus saying to them, follow me. And he says, and I will make you, and make you what? Fishers of men. And so there's three aspects, and this will be a three-week series. The first part, follow me, that we are, what we're doing is we are following Jesus, his call that we follow him. And then the second week will be, I will make you. That Jesus, the power of God, Holy Spirit, will make you into something. You don't have to just make yourself. I am with you in this. God's power is with you in this. And what is he making you into? Fishers of people. All right, so we'll keep talking about this over these next few weeks as this vision that we have that for us to be people who are making disciples, who are making disciples, both new disciples as well as kind of ongoing discipleship that we are continually always growing. All right, so that's what we're digging into. And uh, this whole series today, or this whole sermon today is the follow me part. Come, follow me, Jesus says. Come, follow me. So we want to talk about what that following is like. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I gave you this definition for what is a disciple and what is discipleship. We've had like a, an awesome sort of time as uh, church leaders, pastors, elders, been meeting with different life groups, talking to lots of people, a little crew of people kind of working on some of this stuff and thinking about it, praying about it, really since uh, last summer when I was on sabbatical and God was really placing this on my heart. But um, this definition is how I want us to think about what, it, what this means here at Calvary. So a disciple is one who loves and follows Jesus, right? As we talked about those things that are most important, that we love God, that we love people, and then and we follow him. We're making disciples, following him in that. And what discipleship is, is learning, this is even our, in our vision statement, learning to love like Jesus how? By giving away what we have received. Okay. So we learn to be that disciple and we learn to love like how Jesus does by giving away what we've received. Now, here's the catch. Uh, if you are able to give something away, you have to first have received. 
So my question to you is, have you received from God? And there's all sorts of things that we can receive from God and from other people in our lives. And as we receive from him, we give that to others. We share that with others. So we're passing along, right? Passing along how we've learned, how we've grown, and that's what discipleship is. So no one's asking you to be perfect. No one's asking you to be able to explain everything to someone or to help someone with every single thing in the world. No, what you've been given or, and what you then have received, you give to someone else. All right, so let's keep talking about it. So if we're supposed to receive first, let's talk about that first. To receive, that we actually respond to the call to follow Jesus. Jesus says, come, follow me. And what we see from the, the people in this story is it says they dropped their nets, they left their boats, they even left their father and are, just, and are following Jesus now. They're like, okay, I'm in. I'm responding to that invitation to follow Jesus. Have you responded to that yourself? And that might be for your salvation. That might be to begin to follow Jesus. Or maybe it's like, well, yeah, I'm kind of like sort of in, but I'm not really following him, right? Like, so we need to be following Jesus in all of that. And part of that is that being a follower of anything, but being a follower of Jesus means that you aren't the leader of your life anymore, Jesus is, right? That you are now a follower, you aren't leading the way of your life. And so part of that is submission. Submission to God and his word, Lord, I will follow you where you go. I will follow along the way. That Jesus is now that leader in your life. And even to recognize that that leader is also not me as the pastor of this church. That leader is not any of like the rest of the people even in this church or the elders, whoever. That's not your life group leader. That's not some other famous Christian leader figure in the world. That person is not the leader of your life. It's not some politician. It's not some media figure. Nobody else. The leader of your life is Jesus. And so we submit ourselves to that. To be able to receive, we say, okay, I'm a follower. Jesus, you're the leader. I'm going to walk in your ways. I am going to follow you. And so we remember that that's what it means to be a disciple. One who loves and follows Jesus. And then we give away what we've received. I think about with this, when these, these guys, Peter, Andrew, James, John, they, they dropped their nets, they left their boats, all of that. What, what do we need to leave behind to follow Jesus well? It's probably a question that you need to consider for yourself. What in your life do you need to leave behind so that you can be following Jesus? And I'm not trying to say like what they, you know, in youth group when they made us like throw all our CDs away or whatever, like, you know, back in the, back in the 90s. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's important for you, but I'm not like trying to do that kind of thing. It's, it's really for us to consider where do we have a misplaced allegiance? Is our allegiance to anything more than it is to Jesus? Anything. The love of this world, the love of money, the love of power, the love of control, the need to fit in, the need to not stand out. Like, I don't want to stand out. You know, you might have that kind of fear. You might have greed that comes in or the lusts of the flesh or the temptations of this world. 
What do you need to drop and leave behind to follow Jesus? That's something for you and Jesus to talk through, to figure out, for him to share with you, for you to be convicted of. Conviction's a good thing in that way. And so we need to receive. And so thinking through even your life, right? Okay, what, what have I received? Have you received salvation in Jesus Christ, first of all? Maybe you are here in this room today and you're like, I'm just checking this out. I have not yet received that. And you are being invited. You're being called. Jesus standing on the edge of the lake saying, hey, come, follow me. He's saying that to you today. Come, follow me. And part of that is just saying, yes. Okay, Lord, I'm in. Lord, I'm in. I'll follow you. Please forgive me. Please help me. Please empower me. I'm in. What's your yes to Jesus today? And then have you asked someone to help you follow Jesus, to receive discipleship, right? I don't know, like for a lot of you, I don't know if you've ever had somebody help you in your following of Jesus. And I don't mean like a preacher or even like a, if you're in another small group where it's like upfront speaking or teaching, that kind of thing. I'm not talking about that kind of environment. I mean, just asking someone relationally, hey, I've seen the way that you follow God. I'd love just to talk about that and like a little help with that. That's being discipled. That's like awesome. Like we need to have that in our lives. And this sort of discipleship, it really does happen uh, kind of in more formal ways and then in less formal ways, like both. We need both. And I know for me in my life personally, the times when I have been able to like grow the best in this kind of way has been when I have looked and seen someone that I've appreciated something about their life in the way they follow Jesus, and I just ask, hey, can we meet up? Can we have lunch? Can we get coffee? Can we go surf? Can we go for a run? Whatever that looks like for you, I've asked people in my life, and then I've met with people, and typically it was for like a period of time, a year, a few years. It wasn't forever. I haven't met with that person like forever typically, but it's always been so good and helpful when I've done that, and it's, it's helped a lot. Okay, it's a little like more awkward, I think, for us, even though this is how Jesus did it. But it's a little more awkward for us to be like, hello, I'm here to disciple you now. We are going to meet and you're going to submit to my ways, right? Like that's like a little odd. Um, And so it's like, it's just helpful for us to ask. Like have you ever asked someone to do that? And I also think like, we need to ask, that's a little bit more formal, right? It's not crazy formal, but it's just getting together and, and meeting and talking. And maybe there's certain things you want to learn and grow in or things that they seem to, to have experience in and they can help you with. Um, I also know sometimes it's like good just to be around people that are, um, that are like living this Christian life in a way that we admire. And you're just around them and you're just taking that in from being around them. I always joke with my girls that, you know, I'm a pastor. My wife's a Christian school teacher. We're not like on the the rich end of the scale. And so we're like, hey, you guys need to marry for money, you know? Uh, And and then there's that joke of like, no, just surround yourself with people with lots of money and then marry for love, right? (laughs) uh, And that's like super joking. But in that same sort of way, like surround yourself with people that, you admire their faith, like that are living their life for Christ well, that you see fruit in their life and just be around them. And that's like, that's discipleship. You're going to learn from that. You're going to grow from that. And so I encourage you to, to do that. Surround yourself well and then marry for love. <laughs> um, and so, because that happens 
in this along the way kind of setting, as you go along the way. And I would even ask then again, have you engaged in small group community for yourself? In some form of small group, whether that's a Calvary Life group or just a few people that get together uh, in whatever way that you have some form of small group community in your life. Because I think that's the easiest and best way just to experience that kind of discipleship, both the formal and the informal, and that we're able to kind of have that in our lives. And so are we receiving That's what this question is about. All these examples are just practical ways of are we receiving in some way from the Lord and from people? Because I I also want us to make sure that we're receiving from God just in the sense of time with him, in intimacy and love from him to receive the love of God. I need to make sure I'm placing myself into moments of, of prayer, of sitting with the Lord in silence, of worship. I think worship music is really helpful with this, both in this room, kind of in the way that we all sing together. But even for me, like sometimes I like to uh, listen to worship music as I run and like just taking that in. I'm just receiving the love of God, just receiving from the love of God. And so, um, yeah, not always. I listen to other things too. I saw a couple smirks. But um, <laughs> uh, sometimes you need a little more of a beat to get you going. But, uh, you know, sometimes. But I like, love that worship music that is just helping me just to receive that intimate love of God towards us. So are you receiving to be able then to give away? We receive just to receive. But if we're supposed to give away what we've received, you can't give something you don't have. And so we want to be able to make sure we are with the Lord in this and with good people. And then we give away what we've received as we invite someone else into following Jesus. And that might be through beginning to follow Jesus or continuing to follow Jesus, right? There's both in the midst of this. So I want to talk a little bit about sort of the both in this, right? There's this first is making disciples, or what we might call evangelism, helping others to love and follow Jesus for the first time. And a lot of us need to consider, like, is my life at all about that? Is my life at all about making disciples, that people that are becoming followers of Jesus for the first time? Is that part of our prayer? Are we recognizing as the message version of this verse says, where Jesus says, hey, come with me, I'll make a new kind of fisherman out of you. That God is trying to make a new kind of fisherman out of you. Not just doing your everyday job or your everyday duties and tasks. But as you do that, you are becoming a fisher of people. That you are helping others follow Jesus. And it's really a simple invitation. A simple invitation to come and see. Jesus says, come follow me. And then you see some of these guys in in these stories. I'll just sort of paraphrase some of these stories in John 1 and John 4. But you've got these guys like Philip and Nathaniel, and Philip's like, we have found him. We found the one. We found the Messiah. Like, he's actually here. And he goes and tells Nathaniel this, and he's like, Nathaniel's like, nah, you know, no way. Nothing good could come out of Nazareth. And then, and then Philip says, come and see. Come and see. Like, just check it out for yourself. It's as simple as that to invite people to come and see, to check it out for themselves, to talk to them about what's going on in your life. And John 4 is the woman at the well who has this encounter with Jesus. And then she goes and tells the people in her life, come and see a man who told me everything I said or did. 
come and see. Check it out. And uh, I, I, I want us to be able to say, come and see, check it out to the people in our lives. And I wonder even to ask you, when was the last time you've told your story to someone? Your testimony, the story of how you began to follow Jesus. And maybe for some of you that was as a child in a Christian family. That's okay to share that as well. It's great. For some of you that was at different stages of life. We all have our own story. But just to even like think about when's the last time I told someone that? And maybe not even just someone far from God, but have you told anyone that? And maybe practice with one of your friends. Like just begin to share your story with one another. Here's how I began to love and follow Jesus. Here's how that all worked out. And even if you think your story's a boring story, I, I used to think that a lot sometimes growing up in a Christian home and family. Of, my story's boring. I, just, I heard this story recently of these, these people that were in prison, had lived some really hard stories, and this person came to share at like a chapel kind of a thing and shared this quote-unquote boring testimony, and they all began to weep because they were like, it's actually possible. It's possible that you can live a life without all of this struggle or a life that's beyond all of this struggle and a life that is just with God and a life with a good family and all of that kind of stuff. And they begin to weep because of that. So know that God uses anyone's story. It's just come and see. Here's what it is. Come and see. Um, and so maybe you need sort of the Psalm 51, God restored to me the joy of my salvation. Restore to me the joy of my salvation, that this is a joyful thing to share with others. And so that's, this is just simple stuff, guys. I just kind of like break this down for us. If we're going to give away what we've received, we have to give away what this is in the sense of making new disciples, as well then as this like ongoing discipleship ongoing discipleship. So someone who's been a believer for a while in whatever way to help continue to grow, that we should continue to be learning and following. A disciple is a learner, a student, a follower. And so we're helping each other continue to love and follow Jesus by giving away what we've received. It's really an invitation to follow together. I want you to have that kind of mindset, to follow Jesus together. And as we go, you're learning, I'm learning, right? We're sharing with one another in this. It's um, Deuteronomy 6 is this portion of the scriptures called the Shema, very important. And uh, it's where God is saying to the people of Israel, I want you to take my law, my ways, this teaching, and I want you to bind it on your arms, on your forehead, put it on your doorposts of your home. I want you to talk to your kids about it every day as you're walking along and living life. You're sharing this with one another. That's one of the, like, the core commands in scriptures of God. It's this, again, as you live, as you go, you're talking about how you live for God, with God, all of that together. And to, to think of this sort of way of living. Because the disciple rabbi sort of relationship. Now, we might not all be like living it out in this exact way, but like the way it was is they would follow in the footsteps of their rabbi, these disciples. And there's even this expression of the dust of the rabbi. They're following so closely that the dust of the rabbi would, would uh, as they're walking along on the dirty roads, would get on them because that's how closely they're following. And so that they're just like learning and learning from people's lives 
And so if we can kind of be that for each other, of learning from each other, because we actually live life together. And I think that might just even be a practical thing, right? That we need to sort of be in each other's normal, everyday lives a little bit more. Are we a little too sort of secluded into our own private worlds? We might come to church, keep the church stuff here. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to keep the work stuff there. I'm going to go home and keep the home stuff there, right? Like, no, we need to have this a much more integrated life. So a life that is much more that the ways of God are on our mind every day along the way as we go. And so I hope for that for you. And I ask for you to consider that. And there's some tension in this, right? There's some tension of, okay, I want to do that. Maybe I don't feel good enough. Maybe I don't feel like I know enough. Maybe I don't feel like I've lived a life worth following. And I'd say a couple things in this. One, this is about pursuing, not perfection, okay? In this way of following Jesus, it's about pursuing Jesus, not being perfect in it. And we show and we help others how we pursue Jesus, not how we're perfect in all of the ways that we follow him. And so we want to kind of think about that. We also want to recognize that we're probably not just going to go live in someone's house for three years. Like the disciples just like hung out every day with Jesus. Like I recognize that. But how can we then take steps to be a little bit more in each other's everyday life? And what I also want you to know is you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to be a Bible teacher. Discipleship doesn't happen from up here to you only. This is one small aspect of growing in our faith. But we need to be in that everyday life kind of thing. And it's, it's then being involved in not just the spiritual things. It's eating together. It's cooking together. It's maybe exercising together, just hanging out. It could be, um, I don't know, doing some sort of like chores or like we've joked about like fixing a fence or whatever. I've had a friend help me build a chicken coop and we've done that together. I, I feel like Greg Clark, who's a member of our church, was my rabbi throughout the whole triathlon like Ironman experience, right? Like he was my rabbi of how to do triathlon. But along the way of that, I learned so much from him about how to be a man of integrity, how to be a man that thinks serving others first, um, how to care for those that are struggling with all sorts of different issues in their life. The guy is just is so awesome and giving and caring, and I learned so much. I wasn't intending to learn those things from him. I was intending to learn how to swim and bike and run and all of that, but I did, and I learned more. And so maybe there's ways that you can do that for each other in each other's lives, whatever you're interested in, whatever you hope to grow in, that kind of thing. And I want to say you can do this. You can do this. You have to believe that you can do this. You are qualified. Do you know why you're qualified? Because the power of the Holy Spirit dwells within you. Because Jesus died on the cross and rose again. That is why you are qualified. And because he has called you and commanded you to do this. He said it's the most important thing. To love God, love people, and make disciples as you go. Believe it. Believe it. To say you're not able or not good enough or not qualified is really, that's the sin, okay? Like not doing it and giving up, that's actually the, the sinful thing. 
but actually following and kind of you're going to mess up along the way, that's good. That's God's with you. God's going to help you in the midst of that. And so I want us to be a church that is so much more than just watching, spectating, being part of a, of a service. And maybe even some of you go to a life group that's kind of like service again. You know, I, those are good, but you need more. You need more than just another church service after this. You need community relationship helping, sharpening, knowing, knowing the intimate everyday parts of each other's lives. We have to do this in a different way maybe than we have. So consider what do you need to do and how can you help others? And I hope you remember what I said two weeks ago, pray first, okay? Pray first. Jesus prayed all night before he chose the 12. Pray, God, who would you have me pour my life into? How would you have me do that? Lord, who would you have helped me? Who could I ask to help me in this so I could receive and then be able to give away what I've received? Pray first. So this is what we want to be. This is who we want to be. I pray that you are beginning to catch a bit of that vision, that excitement of what it means to be and live the church. Um, we're going to respond to this today in a way that also Jesus commanded to do is to remember him. We remember that he says, come and see, come follow me. But for the disciples and for a lot of people, that command was not just come and see, it was also come and die. It was commit your entire life. The beautiful thing, though, is that Jesus was the one that said, I will die for you. I will give my life for you. My blood will be shed for you. And so we don't want to take lightly the fact that our God, who didn't just pursue, he was perfect. And because he was perfect, he could die upon the cross and take then your sin upon himself and cancel the debt to sin that you owed. He took it. He paid it for you. And so we'll remember here as we uh, come, there's stations around the room, like on the back and the sides, and uh, you can come and take the bread and the cup. And in a moment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us and encourage you to come, get up out of your seat, go to one of the stations, take the elements, take them back to your seat, and just hold on to them. And then just, just dwell upon this. Examine your life. Lord, is there any sin that I need to confess and repent of? Lord, how can I live as a follower of you more? And then we will take together when I come back up. So let me pray. Lord God, you have called us to follow. And God, I pray that we would take that first step if we never have. Say, yes, Lord, I will follow you, Jesus. I will submit to you as the leader of my life. Thank you. I pray that you begin to, to shape each one of us into being more like you because we know you are the one that does the shaping, that does the making. And we thank you, God, that you are the one that died on the cross for the sins of the world, for mine, for yours. Lord, I pray that we would remember and give thanks. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Come get the elements, take them back to your seat, reflect. As we look upon the bread, the cup, we recognize and remember that this is his body and his blood. Jesus said, this is this, this bread, he broke it, he passed it out to his, his friends. He said, this is my body given for you. And he said, do this when you eat this in remembrance of me. And so as we eat this bread in just a moment, we remember, take a moment to remember 
what he did. Let's take this bread together. Part of what he did was he gave thanks. He prayed these, this prayer of blessing to God and thanks to God. And he said this cup is the new covenant, a new promise, not based on your obedience to the law, but based on his blood. His shed blood for you is what saves you. What we do as we, as we take this is we give him thanks for that and we remember, we remember the sacrifice. We don't take it for granted. So to take a moment, Lord, we remember. Thank you. Let's drink from the cup together. So Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your body, Lord, given for us. Thank you that you loved us enough to sacrifice all. And thank you that everything is based upon that. Our salvation is based upon that. And then now, Lord, I pray that as we have received that, we would give that away. May that be the foundation of discipleship. The awe and the thanksgiving of what you have done would lead us to share that with others, to help each other grow in that more and more each day. So Lord, I pray that everything of who we are, how we live our life each day along the way, is all based on your love. And may we love like you do each day of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing this last song together.